Welcome to Best Bets Week 2. And if we look like we're running on fumes a little bit, it's kind of because we are. We stayed up till 3 in the morning watching a tennis match last night. Carlos Alcaraz, Yannick Center, incredible stuff. But we turn the page to football chaos in Week 1, I think it's fair to say, across the board. Week 2, we're going to dial in and we're going to give the people some winners. Jimmy, it's great to have you here. How you doing, man? Good, man. And I, I know you guys, uh, you know, love that college hoops and uh you know, college hoops, everybody plays everybody anywhere with no, with not a whole lot of consequence. It's different, different sport, the physical makeup of it. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty cool. We had places like Boone, North Carolina, uh, Greenville, North Carolina, San Antonio, Texas, uh, um, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, that uh, all were on fire last week uh, with some really cool uh, games and some of the, you know, the ACC teams going to, you know, going to East Carolina in Appalachian State. Uh, the wild endings uh, that they uh, that they had. I mean, sort of your your buzzer beater version of your first day, uh, the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament. So, in San Antonio, that place was on fire as well. And in traditional places like the Swamp, was uh, really popping uh, last week for Billy Napier's first game as that game came down to the very end, and they found some way to hold off uh, Utah. So Cameron Rising can't make that throw. Can't make that throw. Uh, he's he's played too many games uh, early downs especially when you have a an extra point at worst on fourth down distance to, to send the game into overtime. But then again, my alma mater, they couldn't make an extra point with no time remaining left in the Superdome <laughs> as well. So as we break into Brian Kelly uh, era, but no, great. I mean, more entertaining uh, than what we usually see. And from a uh, from betting perspective, um, you know, there's some there's some surprises and some not so surprises like Alabama. I mean, not even coming close. And we've seen that line go from 12 to 20 uh, since that uh, performance against Utah State. And, you know, that I think that's legit. But I think the biggest one was Georgia's flawless opponent. We still have to wait and see if Oregon's going to be this nine win team that we expect this year. But if they are, um, wow, uh, you, you, you're not supposed to perform like that after losing that much to the draft. We know Kirby can recruit, but still that was, uh, that was really impressive in the Georgia dome or the Mercedes Benz dome now uh, with, uh, with Georgia, just going seven, seven, seven possessions, seven touchdowns. Can't get any better than that. No, it's a flawless performance. And as you mentioned, the entire country was ablaze with excitement to have college football back, except for Los Angeles, who seemed like they couldn't be bothered. If you saw the clip that we put out on Twitter, empty stadium, you know, some big names that joined that USC team this week. I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, let's let's hone in on what I think is the game of this week, though. And uh, it's Alabama, obviously. You just mentioned them. That line has jumped. It's moved like crazy. Opened up under two touchdowns. It's approaching three touchdowns. Bet Rivers has it at minus 20 and a half as of this morning. The over-under is 54 and a half. You know, they're not at home. This is not a home game. Playing 20 and a half points on the road can be something sometimes. Quinn Ewers... I would say had a good debut. He did throw one interception, but the the raw stat numbers were there. A couple touchdowns, over 200 plus yards. Where do you stand on Alabama minus 20 and a half at Texas? Um, I, it's a stay away spot uh, for me. Uh, but, you know, being on national TV, it's on Fox. Uh, that's unusual for Alabama to be on Fox. Unusual for Alabama to be playing on somebody else's campus. Uh, since Nick Saban took over in 2007, 
Uh, their first big sort of classic game was in the Georgia Dome against Clemson. Clemson was preseason number six, and that's when Julio Jones and uh, Ingram were all true freshmen, and they destroyed them. Cost Tommy Bowden his job uh, that year because of the preseason ranking. I don't think they've been to a campus, a big power five, a non-conference campus uh, since Saban has been there. And so this is a little bit of a, a, a mix. Um, that Again, I liked Alabama at 12. Of course, anybody would right now. Uh, but, you know, I can see them winning by uh, three or four touchdowns. And I would lean toward laying it, even if, with that inflated number. Um, Sarkeesian uh, losing record in year one. Got the big commitment out of Arch Manning, out of Newman uh, in New Orleans. And that has led to other big-time recruits as well. Their commitment to the NIL with uh, taking care of the linemen and building that a unit that was so bad last year. But B. John Robinson is going to find it uh, a lot tougher uh, this week than what he did last week. And, I mean, hey, Nick Saban's always going to take option one away. I'll be surprised if he is able to be very productive on Saturday against Alabama. If I had to take it, I would still lay the 20 and a half uh, with Alabama. Yeah, this feels like a game to me where it, you might go into it thinking, oh, 20 and a half is a lot of points. But this is an inexperienced QB in his first major, major game against the dynasty of college football. And there's levels to college football, right? You can look good in the non-conference against normal teams. You're not going to look the same playing Alabama. I wouldn't feel comfortable either way on this. I think I'm with you that if I had to make a play, I would lean to lay the points because I do think like almost the way that that Georgia game played out this past week, you're looking at the Oregon spread as, oh, it's so many points. Let's take it. Let's feel good about it. And then Georgia's immediately up 14 to nothing. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel like too many points. Um, I do think Alabama wins this game comfortably, but 20 and a half, not a number I feel great about, so it's a stay away for me. I'm with you there. Let's stay in the SEC. Another big game, Kentucky going into the swamp against Florida. Back-to-back marquee games, I would say, for Florida at home to open the season. The over-under is 52 points. Anthony Richards, or Richardson, I'm sorry, is everyone's darling through one week right now. We've spent all week on all of our After Dark shows talking about can this kid be a real Heisman candidate? Is he going to work his way into the first round of the NFL draft? Will Levis is a pretty good quarterback himself. Five points for a Kentucky team that a lot of people think can do some things. Where do you stand on this one? You know, when we put out, uh, uh, did our bet reverse uh, conference previews, Kentucky was one of my underplays uh, in the SEC at under eight. And I just think that Levis, he did okay against Miami, Ohio. This is a step up in class as far as the defense is down as uh, Florida's roster is. Uh, First-year coaches in the SEC at, you know, high-expectation, high-resource programs like LSU and Florida, Brian Kelly and Billy Napier. This is not the roster that they're going to uh, move forward with next year and beyond. So there there is some in the transfer portal era. There are some casualties and some transition woes. But still, now Richardson is a big deal. You said everybody's high on him. I guess everybody's high, but uh, Dan Mullen, because he refused to play him, he played Emory Jones. And you watch Emory Jones at Arizona State and watch Richardson at Florida, there's no comparison. Napier saying after the game, hey, blow, my wife could have called these plays when you get a guy like that. And a lot of those plays weren't there, and he just kind of did it on his own. Uh, the fourth down, the touchdown, some others. And who's going to come and tackle him at about 6'4", 250, when he gets it rolling on that 50-yard touchdown up the left sideline? I like Florida here. Um, I think it, uh, it, it you know, the, 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 the swamp will be packed again for this one. 
Uh, Levis did have a good game, although it was Miami, Ohio. But they rushed for like 45, 50 yards against Miami, Ohio. That's a problem to go be one-dimensional against a Florida defense at their place. Um, I'm big on Stoops. I think he gets more out of less than most coaches. But it's not this year. They lost a ton. Still, their um, Rodriguez is still out. That may have led to their rushing woes last week against Miami, Ohio. You can't rush for that few, th- those few yards against Miami, Ohio, and expect it to get any better without that guy. So Levis looked pretty good. Weaker competition. But, I mean, he's going to have to do it all by himself. And I just don't think he can do it uh, at Kentucky. I think this is more of a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five type of team. I think Florida is going to win and cover this week again. Yeah, I, I actually was talking about this with a buddy yesterday uh, because I, I immediately was on Florida with you. I'm like, five doesn't seem like enough here to me. I'm impressed with what I saw from Florida against Utah. I thought that was a massive win. Obviously, it comes down to the big interception, but I thought they responded. I thought there were plenty of times throughout that game where they kind of could have let Utah grab control and keep control, and instead they kept clawing back and fighting back to a lead. The thing with Kentucky is I I sort of said the same thing. I'm like, this is probably a six-win team. Like We can talk about love for Will Levis, but what's he really done at Kentucky? Like It it is still Kentucky here. No matter how good he is, there's going to be some talent discrepancies across the board when you compare him to the top teams in the sec and my buddy pushed back on me he's like well they won 10 games last year i'm like did they really let's fact check that they did win 10 games last year so i i think the jury's still out on this kentucky team i don't feel super great about leaning against them just yet Uh, i like florida money line if you can work it into creative ways i might throw this in a parlay you may hear more from me on that later today uh but for the line at five right now i am staying away do you worry that this is a a, as far as nate here's concerned he's he's got him playing hard and that's one thing if one game in we can evaluate he does have him playing hard i was gonna say do you worry that this is a letdown spot at all after the emotional win of utah yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's usually an angle uh, that i look at uh kentucky's more i thought that they would look ahead i liked miami ohio in the points because i thought they would peak, be peeking ahead a little bit uh to this uh, game is uh, and they have probably been better on the field as a you know as a program than florida the last uh four or five years but man florida dominates this series so I'm 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 just gonna stay with a look a little excitement and I I'm still you know again you can't rush for 45 50 yards against Miami Ohio and bring that uh, bring that one dimensional offense to the swamp I think it's a, a, an advantage to Florida because of that yeah that's not gonna work there's no biker gang entering the swamp as uh, George Whitfield <laughs> would say with Utah all right two more games that are quote unquote featured games for us this week I don't know how this one has made our feature section after what we saw from one of these teams last week. But Iowa, minus three and a half at home against Iowa State. Look, it's a rivalry game. It's a very exciting rivalry game. Uh, These games are normally hotly contested. Sometimes there's some chaos, crazy plays that swing it late. Iowa scored seven points and did not score a touchdown in week one. Okay, Uh, it was the ugliest game I've seen in a very long time. I got to interview Spencer Petras with the Field of 12 this offseason. Awesome kid. Uh, you know, I felt like I learned a lot about who he is as a person. And I I think he knows his limitations as a player. I think he would tell you that was one of the worst games of his career. A very experienced guy who has had much better games than that. Uh, You don't expect Iowa to continue for long without finding the end zone. However, this may be an ugly game. The over-under is 40 and a half points. Iowa is minus three and a half even after the stinker they put up last week. Where do you lean on this? 
three and a half, two, two safeties does cover, huh? Uh, <laughs> if, they, uh, if they hit it, uh, yeah, it was ugly. But, you know, as uh, I told Rob last week, you know, on this uh, podcast, don't overreact to week one ugly offensive football. And although there's less tackling in uh, August camp in college football, and maybe the the shabby tackling, shoddy tackling has kind of neutralized the ugly offensive fe- a week of football, but it is. And I don't want to overreact to it. No, but, but the, as you said, the quarterback for Iowa, he's been there long enough and you, you know, when are we going to see some sort of improvement? Do you have to make a change? We've seen all kinds of things in this series, kind of cool that two power five programs uh, from, uh, from different conferences, maintain their series and and play this every year but one thing when all the dust settles year in and year out and i've been on the cyclones and i'm a big matt campbell guy but matt campbell doesn't beat iowa he's never beaten them he doesn't beat them and i'm just not going to overreact to a week one with a with the jackrabbits held the iowa uh, hawkeyes out of the uh, end zone so i'm going to stick with iowa at home minus three and a half here I am right there with you. This is our first, uh, I think, co-play here. We're on the same page. Uh, I I love this play, actually, as weird as it sounds. I think this is very much a potential fade the public play. I don't know where the money is going right now. I have no answers on that. But I would expect many people to just fade Iowa across the board right now, let alone against uh, a, a rival of theirs that has some talent and that can be a productive football team this season. Uh, I still think this game is at Kinnick. I still think this is the pink locker rooms. I still think there's some mm-hmm. mystique to this, that it can be a house of horrors for even better football teams that have had more success against Iowa historically than Matt Campbell. So I do like this a lot as a buy back in buy low spot for Iowa. Uh, and I think they win this game and cover hopefully easily, but it's hard to say easily in a rivalry. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, all right. One more game in our featured section. Pitt plus six and a half at home against Tennessee Pitt, the backyard brawl. I think it lived up to everybody's expectations comes down to a pick six. They capitalize, they make the play now just under a touchdown is the number against, I think a very good Tennessee team. The over under is 66 and a half. Where are you at? West Virginia was one of my uh, favorite win totals over in our conference previews over five and a half. And I thought they were one of my more improved teams now, both Pitt and uh, West Virginia returned all of their offensive line tackle to tackle. West Virginia also returned six of their top seven defensive linemen from a year ago. And, you know, they got some ability at the wideout. And uh, let's face it, JT Daniels looked pretty good running Graham Harrell's offense. Um, I thought West Virginia should have won the game. Uh, I mean, drop Pitt, turn pick six. I mean, it doesn't get uh, as far as a swing a play in a game. It doesn't get uh, much tougher than that. Um, I'm, I don't want to overreact to Pitt. I had this game closer to Tennessee two before last week's results. Uh, Ball State is one of the weaker teams in the MAC, so we're not going to overreact to that. But you just can't get past uh, Hooker's touchdown to interception ratio. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, 35 to two or three, whatever it was. So now what is it, 37 to two or three? It's in, in the SEC and beyond that, that's tough. Also a little bit of a revenge spot here. Uh, this was a game where Hooker came in and led a big charge from a big deficit and got this thing tied in the fourth quarter before uh, a turnover set up the uh, game-winning score for Pitt. Pitt is a program that's it, 
like like I said uh, last week when I liked West Virginia, that's a, that's a program that's hard to to you know the the first quarterback taken in a draft in a Bolitnikoff Award winner, both of them uh, in the same year. I see a lot of value in Pitt, but I'm going to go with the public on this one and go with Tennessee in this revenge spot. Um, Sometimes we think football is just a single sport, single person sport, where it's just about the quarterbacks. But the quarterback advantage, Slovis was okay. He had the big drop uh, too, but Hooker is just, his numbers are fantastic. Um, Tennessee, I'm going to lay the six and a half here, reluctantly, because there is some value with those points at home with Pitt. Yeah, I think you you hit it spot on with the word reluctantly. I think it to me this feels like a line that Tennessee should cover if they play well. However, I don't feel great about needing to win by seven or more in that stadium against a pit team who, quite frankly, I think plays up and down to competition. Uh, it feels like almost any game that they're in can be a, a final drive type of game. I don't know that the West Virginia game is the best example of that. I think that was just sort of a crazy back and forth affair between two teams that were finding themselves in the very first game of the season. Uh, but Tennessee to me is the class of this matchup pretty much across the board, especially with hooker with all the numbers that you mentioned, uh, but I don't love the numbers. So for me, it's a stay away, but I would lean with you on Tennessee. If I was forced into making maybe a little bit of a similar angle here with Kentucky and Tennessee, both have tune ups, uh, Mac opponents looking ahead for revenge spot and in an sec game uh, at the swamp. Yeah. Good point. All right, let's let's go through. I've got five more games we like on this list. We'll uh, we'll try to sort of be a little quicker with these and then we'll get to our uh, money line underdogs. We both have an underdog we like this week and then a parlay before we wrap the show. Houston plus three at Texas Tech. The over under is 64. All right. Um, Texas Tech in, uh, you know, the top two games in here is based off of one game uh, last week, and that's the Texas San Antonio Houston game. At one point, Houston had a 4% uh, win win probability, uh, down 14, uh, late, uh, uh, early in the fourth, uh, again, in, in, a, in a hostile territory. Texas-San Antonio got a little uh, a little conservative, and, well, we know what happened there. Um, Texas-San Antonio had four more first downs, had 95 more yards uh, than Houston. Uh, Clayton Toon did a good job, though, kind of putting that team on his back with that fourth quarter comeback. I thought Texas San Antonio should have won the game. Would this would this line be a little bit bigger had Houston come into this when oh and one? This line is starting to move. Um, it's up to three minus one oh nine right now at Bet Rivers. I got down on it at three minus one oh nine last night, anticipating that it's going to go up uh, even higher. So I'm all over the Red Raiders. They do do make a switch at quarterback. Myself and some others think that the, this is actually the better quarterback. And it's also a little bit of a pride game here for uh, this sort of this Texas high school based coaching staff uh, in this in-state battle that they've got to win. So I love Texas Tech. They look good uh, in their first week, although in tune up action, they're kind of keyed in on this one. Emotional game, no doubt, uh, for Houston on the road last week. Short trip, but they'll go on the road again. Uh, I like Texas Tech uh, big uh, minus a two and a half or three, uh, depending on where you're looking. 
Yeah, Houston's making the the Texas tour right now after Texas San Antonio into Texas Tech. Uh, I like the over in this game. I, I love your angle on Texas Tech as well, but I think both these teams could very easily score in the 40s in this game. Uh, overs in Texas Tech games in general, fun to bet on, as everybody should know by now. Uh, but I actually do think Clayton Toon is a guy who is going to put points on the board. I do think Texas Tech wins the game. But I love the over here, over 64. All right, the other half of the game you spoke to last week, Texas-San Antonio, they're minus two and a half at Army. Army opened up as a pick last week against Coastal Carolina. That was on the road in the turquoise turf. Coastal ended up pulling away, winning that game by two scores late. I kind of think that this jumps out as some value on a, a UTSA team that I think can really, really play. Where do you stand? No doubt. Um Army only had 11 first downs to Coastal's 30 uh, last week. Grayson McCall kind of trying to do it by himself, but he may have a little bit more of a supporting cast. We anticipated Army uncharacteristic, some long touchdowns, some big plays uh, in this game, but only 11 first downs. Texas San Antonio front seven is considerably better. I mean, light years better than Coastal Carolina. So Army's going to have a little bit tougher, uh, you know, running the ball against them. Um, the, one of the big that I, I talked about the stats where uh, Texas San Antonio outgained Houston by 100 yards, had more first downs. They were over two on uh, on fourth downs, and those are basically turnovers. And that's one of the outliers I look for. I still like this Texas San Antonio team a lot. I think that uh, again they should have won last week, and I'll take them uh, this week at a uh, at a soft price uh, against Army. Even though that's one of the greatest places uh, to watch a football game in West Point, man. And it's and it can be tough up there, but I like the road runners here at West Point. Yeah, I don't think anybody feels like great emotionally fading our troops at home here. Uh, <laughs> however, I, I think UTSA is just a, a much, much, much better football team here. This is actually my play of the week, minus two and a half. Uh, I do fear that it seems a little too easy, but I think this UTSA team is honestly a team who who could deserve worthy of top 25 mentioned later on in the season. The Houston loss is going to hurt them clearly. But uh, to me, like you said, that was a game they should have won. Let it slip late. I think they're going to be motivated to bounce back from that, put up a big number on the road. Uh, and I think they get it done. All right. UCF minus five against Louisville. The over under is 61 and a half. Central Florida is one of my favorite teams uh, this year, one of my surprise teams. I get the win total over, and I just think they're a really good team. There could be – I can see a scenario where they're favored in all 12 games. Um, they do get behind them a little bit in Orlando with that big uh, enrollment that they have, and it's a growing program. But Gus Malzahn, we covered him a lot uh, in the SEC. And at Auburn, well, you in the SEC West, you play Ole Miss every season. And he saw John Rice Plumley and how he can uh, really move. He loves a running quarterback. He took a running quarterback that could barely throw a 15-yard pass and was within 30 seconds with the national championship game against Florida State. This is a perfect fit. And even though uh, Keene, who had some pretty good numbers in relief when Dylan Gabriel went down, Plumley was still announced a starter pretty early in August camp. Perfect. We can't tell too much playing a MEAC team in South Carolina State. He threw for 308, four TDs, and, uh, and ran it for 86 and another score. But I just love this marriage between John Reese Plumley and Gus Malzahn. Satterfield's in trouble, 31-7, a little bit larger score than maybe the box score will indicate. But still, nonetheless, he comes into this uh, season with uh, some problems. And 
He's gotten got killed a little bit in the transfer portal as well at Appalachian State. He was more of a builder and developer of, of his roster. One of my favorite games, Friday night. My son plays high school football. I can't bet it on Friday, but I can bet it on Thursday. So I'm taking Central Florida <laughs> minus a short number at home. Oh, that's just a beautiful statement by you. That's why we love you here, Jimmy. You make sure uh, you make the most of your time, your priorities. The family comes first, but you get that ticket in first. I respect the hell out of it. All right. South Carolina is getting nine points on the road at Arkansas. Spencer Rattler made things interesting. I don't know that I want to necessarily say it was on him entirely, but that was a game with South Carolina last week that uh, I don't think should have been much of a game, at least early. They did pull away late. Arkansas big win last week. I think that may be juicing this number a little bit up to minus nine. The over under is 52 and a half. What do you got? Speaking of Georgia state, um, they were a little bit more competitive maybe than some people thought. And keep in mind, North Carolina, after the emotional win at Boone, they play Notre Dame next week. So a little bit of an emotional sandwich spot uh, right there, as far as North Carolina is concerned with a tricky spot against Georgia state. Arkansas, um, I had Arkansas minus six last week and felt a little bit fortunate uh, to cover. Um, They still run the ball. Uh, Sam Pittman with his offensive line, uh, you know, background, he wants to do that. Uh, But this was a very, very even game. Uh, Since uh, Cincinnati had one more first down uh, than Arkansas, Arkansas had 11 more yards than Cincinnati. And I just, I just felt like I I got a break uh, here and there and, uh, and got the, uh, got the cover. Uh, that looked like it was going to be a game that was headed to overtime. So right now, I'm just not thinking that Pittman does a great job, okay? But I don't know if this roster is quite as good as there was they had last year. Uh, certainly, Burks, who's now with the Titans, first-round pick, um, they, they can't replace that. They don't have anything to praise them. I love the coordinators in uh, Kendall Browse and Barry Odom. Uh, K.J. Jefferson is a product of Kendall Browse, his influence and his development. But to give over a touchdown in a conference game is a little bit too high right now, just a little too pricey for Arkansas. Rattler, uh, even though they didn't just blow out Georgia State, looked very comfortable, and his numbers were just fine uh, in his South Carolina debut. So I'm going to take sort of these comparable expectation and resource programs I know Arkansas has been a tick better than South Carolina, although Beamer had a nice win. Mayo Bath in the bowl win over North Carolina and Charlotte, but still just a little too pricey uh, early on in the season for Arkansas at home. Yeah, I think you have to really love K.J. Jefferson to feel good about betting this number, right? Uh, two scores. You have to feel like you have an absolute advantage at the quarterback spot in this game. And for all we want to say, good or bad about Spencer Rattler, He's a very talented kid and you would hope he settles in a little bit. You know, there were probably some jitters in that debut. Uh, Nine's a lot of points, man. It really is. And unless you're very confident that you have that advantage at that spot, uh, I lean South Carolina as well with you. So I'm glad I like when I'm aligned with you, Jimmy, I can tell you always bring the research here. It makes me feel a lot better about Sunday morning. (laughs) We will. We will. All right. Let's uh, let's jump into a segment on money line underdogs. I asked you to bring me, one underdog straight up on the money line. You're going to put your money where your mouth is, and you're going to back them not to cover, but to win the game this week. Who you got? 
Well, this team couldn't look any worse, and you wonder um, about their long term when you don't have a guy like uh, Reynolds or Allen uh, running at the Navy triple option a threat. And uh, you know, they, it it just doesn't seem that way. They they were they were really a bad first week, but at home, where you know, don't 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 question whether or not they're going to uh, be ready emotionally prepared to play. Uh, there's never a flat spot with the military academies, and I just think at home in this spot, there's a chance. This is you mentioned a buy low spot. This is a buy low spot uh, with Navy uh, at home. So a uh, plus a dollar ninety, uh, I'll give them a fighting chance. Uh, maybe they can get it uh, get get it going. I know there's limitations, but still, I think as far as this week is concerned. Uh, their their opponent may take them a little bit for granted. So I'm taking Navy at home in Annapolis. I like it. All right, for mine, I'm just going to sprinkle. I wouldn't advise anybody to go crazy with the units on this play. Uh, but there's a team that I was very, very pleasantly surprised with last week. I didn't bet on them or against them, but they caught my attention. And that would be the Arizona Wildcats. They've got a couple wide receivers out there on the West Coast that I don't expect to wear Arizona uniforms. And one of them, Jacob Cowling, is a UTEP transfer. He had three touchdowns in his first game for Arizona. They've got a freshman, McMillan, who did some eye-popping stuff, got in the end zone as well. Arizona's hosting Mississippi State. They are plus 320 underdogs money line in this game. Uh, I just feel like that's too much. I would have expected this closer to the 200, 225 range. I think there's some value there. I think this game at the very least could be close at least through the third quarter. And you may have some opportunities to hedge or potentially try and middle if you do start with the value on Arizona here. So I'm going to back the Wildcats and hope that I wasn't totally blown away by a mirage in week one where they found the end zone way more than the Wildcats normally do. All right, we're going to wrap this show in just a moment. But of course, I have to throw my retirement parlay at you. This is week three now that we're doing this. It's week two uh, in the calendars, but it's the third week of the retirement parlay. Last week, we were dead early. I apologize. That's on me. I got to be better. Week zero. We had some legs on this one. I feel pretty good this week. This is $100 to win $48,918.63. Don't forget the cents. I'm just going to run through them. North Carolina money line at Georgia State. Wake Forest money line at Vanderbilt. Hartman is back. Return game. Arkansas money line against South Carolina. UTSA money line at Army. That's the play of the week. Notre Dame money line at home against Marshall. Pittsburgh money line versus Tennessee. Surprise there. Georgia Southern plus 30 and a half at Nebraska. Fade Scott Frost at all costs. Iowa money line at home against Iowa State. West Virginia money line against Kansas. Florida money line against Kentucky. Houston money line against Texas Tech. I'm fading Jimmy there and I don't feel good about it. Arizona money line, as I just mentioned, against Mississippi State. Three underdogs in that, nine favorites. It's $100 to win 48000 and we'll update you throughout the week. Hopefully, we can get some life at least into the late afternoon slate this week. All right, let's end with this, Jimmy. Give me your favorite play of the week. I already said mine. It's UTSA minus two and a half against Army. Where is your best bet for the week? You know, Central Florida uh, over Louisville. And I gave all the reasons why. I, I do want to mention one more that uh, I'm kind of looking at BYU also at home in Provo. Revenge spot. Um, they look great to start the season, 38-7. At half in Tampa against South Florida, kind of shut it down. Uh, Baylor got the best of him and pushed him around uh, up front. But uh, I like BYU uh, in Provo. And now in Georgia State, Nebraska, two, uh, two teams that have gone through 
offensive transformations. And one, Georgia State, that traditional uh, triple option, running run-based offense, Helton has thrown it all around. They had a bunch of points against a Rena win, but they're just throwing, I'm sorry, Georgia Southern, they're throwing it all over the place. Um, and Nebraska with Mark Wickable coming over, they can throw the ball now. You know, Martinez is a great athlete, but could not throw. And so with uh, the Texas transfer quarterback, he's, you know, even in the loss against Northwestern, as we, they're throwing the ball and they're throwing the ball for big chunks of yardage. And so the, uh, there'll be a lot of points in a Nebraska, a Georgia Southern game. Yeah, over under 62 and a half. I'm with you there. I like that a lot. This is a Georgia Southern team that put up nearly 50 points. And we, oh, they did put up 50 points, 59. I thought it was 49 in memory, 59 points in their opener against Morgan State. Uh, look, you give me any team that's approaching 60 against this Nebraska defense and Scott Frost right now. I like that. I like that in a lot of ways. Uh, it's 23 and a half is the line. You could talk me into that in the parlay. I have them at 30 and a half just to juice it up a little bit, but uh, I'm fading Scott Frost at all opportunities right now. Jimmy, it was so fun talking to you. We appreciate you making time for us yet again. Uh, this was best bets with the field of 12 every Thursday at 10 a.m. And good luck to everybody this weekend.